Glorious testimonies. Isn't that great? That should encourage all of you. If you, uh, if you need some continued measure of restoration and, and um, um, where there seems to be no way, you just believe the Lord. He's, he's with you. Thank you, madam. Uh, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, verse thir chapter 13, verse 10, um, and as you're doing that, there is a, a very poignant and powerful prophetic word that needs to be released this morning, and I'm going to ask Monica to come and um, proclaim that. And um, these, are, these are unique days, aren't they? Very unique days. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I have nothing written down. I have, I don't even have my Bible here. So what you're going to hear. <laughs> is really what the Lord has been writing on the scrolls of my heart <laughs> or his heart but before I say anything I just want to remind us that the Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand making intercession for the Saints according to the will of the Father amen amen we were created in his image and God created us in that image with a spirit that yearns to connect, to partner, to pray, to intercede. And I feel, I feel this incredible weightiness. I feel this incredible burden in the depths of my gut. And just a little bit of a backstory. I was in California last week and had a lot of time to pray and to reflect. Sometimes it's good to get away. And, and it was really a sweet time for that. And as I was coming home, I just kept feeling this stirring in my belly. There's a, we there's a reason why they called Jeremiah the weeping prophet. <laughs> no, this incredible deep, deep stirring in my belly. And I, I, you know, I've tried to talk to Les and Olivia about it just because I'm, I, I just feel this unrest in the depths of who I am. And I know it's not me because I know that our foundation is so deep and our foundation is based on his peace and on his rest. And from that place of his breath comes everything that we are and that we do. But I just keep feeling this yearning for us as a people, as intercessors. That is the essence of who we are. God is searching throughout the old earth, looking for one who will pray. And I just feel his eyes and his heart upon not only this house, and I'm speaking to saints and intercessors all over the world, all over our country, those who have said yes to the call. 
but this morning when I came in and, and I just, I'm just uncomfortable and I was, I was just pressing into the Lord and, and, and what I realized really the understanding that he gave me is that there's a deeper place. There's a deeper place. And I feel this shaking on the inside of me. And I even feel the shaking in here. It's a shaking. To shake out everything to where we are so strong foundationally that we will not be shaken by what's going on around us. Because I feel like so much of, I keep thinking, goodness, you know, I feel this way because of everything that's going on around us with the pandemic and with Afghanistan and all the things that are going on around us. But God just says to me, I've called you to stand in the gap. To stand in the gap on behalf of what I want to do on this earth. You cannot be moved by what you hear and you see. And it's taken me today to say, yes, Lord, dig deeper within me so that I can be that intercessor that you created me to be and that you're calling for me to be. And I am not just speaking of myself. I am speaking of this house. I am speaking of every intercessor that has said yes to the calling. You guys, we are entering into a season that is going to be launched at this seminar it is a new beginning, but it is a beginning of some very pivotal days. Do you agree? And I believe that this seminar, he's going to ask every one of us to stand up and say, yes, I will be that one that you can wake up in the night, that you can stir in the depths of who we are, and I will pray but I'm telling you, it's so easy just to frolic through. But guys, this is truly the essence of who we are. And if prophecy is meant to build up and to stir up and to encourage, I just pray that what I'm sensing in my gut, in my spirit, and what I speak to saints and intercessors all over this world, whether or not you're in this house, whether you're watching via the live stream, whether you're a part of this church or a part of another church that's connected, I'm speaking to every single one of us. This call, this readiness to pray, to intercede. Are you with me? And I know we have not had organized, you know, we had our couple of nights, Wednesday nights of prayer, and that was beautiful, or a month. And we will be doing that in the days ahead. But it's not about that. It's about each one of us before the Lord in vertical relationship with him that says yes to him, that says, yes, Lord. Let your eyes find me. I will be the faithful one. And Lord, I, I just, you know, Les talked about the fields. You guys, the fields are wide for harvest. But you know what it takes? It takes intercession. That is our field. That is our field. Yes, we are sent forth. And yes, we go and we teach and we make disciples. But our field 
is intercession, and it is white for harvest. And I just speak that forth this morning. I don't want this to be some downer. I want this to be something that says, Lord, this is the greatest privilege that we have. We are saints, and we know when we read in the Bible the end times and the warfare with the angelic and the, or, the warfare with darkness, it happens in intercession. And I just feel like there's just a deeper place he wants us to go. It's like a deeper place within each one of us. And I feel like today, and I feel like this is like the key. It's like the beginning point of breaking open that fallow ground where perhaps we have been dormant and not necessarily heard that cry of the heart of God to rise up and be that one, that voice. But he is calling us afresh. He says, good and well, faithful servant, you have served me so well, but I want to take you to a deeper place. And it's in here. It's the ma'a. It's the stirring of that. It's where we come before him in that place of authority and relationship. And he moves through us and we can command through him what he wants to accomplish on the earth. You guys, this is the empowerment of the saints. This is it. And so when I want to ask you today, and I speak this to everyone that is watching. If in your heart you say, yes, I want that fallow ground broken up. I want a fresh passion for prayer and an obedience to hear his call. I want you to stand, stand, and let that be your yes. Because this is who we are. We are his saints. We are his intercessors. And we are his army. And the only way that we can fight this battle, this raging tempest that is going around, that is all around us, even though the Middle East is far away, it should be ever on the forefront of your heart. Those Christians over there that are standing in the midst of that war zone and saying, I'm not leaving. What God has birthed here to establish on behalf of his righteousness, we will not, we will not leave. Lord, help us to be those ones that pray. Amen? So, Father, we thank you so much for this privilege. We thank you, Lord, for giving us ears to hear, eyes to see what is happening at the throne, and a voice that is the beginning of the greatest progression that is written in the Bible, the voices, thunders, lightnings, and earthquake. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, that you would break up the fallow ground of our hearts, Lord, that you would activate the ma'ah within us, Lord, and that you would just cause us to run after you with everything within us, with passion, Lord, that's not even from us that is yours. Lord, you put us on this earth for such a time as this, and we thank you, Lord, for the gift, the greatest gift that you have given us, and that is that you taught us how to pray. Lord, help us to use that gift Father, stir our spirits, Lord. Let the spirit of grace just rise up within each one of us so that when we open our mouth, multitudes of languages will just flow out according to your divine purpose and according to what you're doing in that hour. Lord, we just, we commit. 
And we just ask you, Lord, just as Samuel, Lord, that you would wake us up in the night, that you would speak prophetically to us, that we would hear your voice, and that we would be that prophetic one, whether it be in, in word or in intercession, Lord, that we will speak into what you're doing in this hour, Lord, and we will see the effect of it on this earth. Lord, help us to walk in faith. Help us to walk in belief, Lord. And I just ask you, Lord, that you would bless every person in this house, every person that is joining with us throughout this world, Lord. Touch them with an anointing for intercession. Touch them in the depths of their heart. Touch them in the depths of their spirit with your grace and your supplication. And Father, we thank you, Lord. You are such a faithful God. And Lord, I just... I just say right now, Father, I shake off anything that is not of you. Anything within me, Lord, that is distracting me or keeping me from stepping up to the plate, Lord. Father, just shake it out of me. Shake it out of us. Everybody just shake. Just shake. Just get it out of there. I'm serious. Lord, help us. Father, we love you so much, and I just thank you, Father, for this company of saints, for these people, for these intercessors, for these friends. Lord, thank you, Father, that they are my righteousness on my right and my left. Lord, thank you for this army. Lord, let there be no gaps. Let there be no, no gaps. But help us just to be that perfect Peretz and that perfect Peretz as you break through within each one of us. And the spirit, like a river, will just flow out of us like living waters and change the terrain from here throughout this whole earth. Father, we thank you so much. And Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of this people and for a leader who, Father, is the first person on his face. Lord, thank you for that. Father, preserve him. Keep him. And Lord, we thank you. And the saints said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so very much. Hallelujah. I'm going to do my best to uh, refrain from political commentary today. Um, it's not because I lack it, but um, I, I will say that we are seeing end time events unfolding around us, and we are we are beholding things that are precursors to what is prophesied in the Scripture, and you can you can see. Um, you can see things that we never thought we would see in our, in our lifetime. But um, it is rapidly unfolding. And for the saints, for you and for me, that's an exciting thing. It's a good thing. We're walking in partnership with our Heavenly Father as intercessors, and God is watching over us. He's providing for us. And we, uh, we do need to be praying for um, those, those uh, precious people, so many thousands of them that are in Afghanistan today, 
we need to ask God to, uh, to watch over them and bless them. And the work that Monica referenced uh, by so many hundreds who are praying in that country, we need to pray for those folks. We need to pray for the Americans that need to come out. And we do. I'm just going to say this and then we're going to move on into the word. We need to ask forgiveness on behalf of our country, on um, behalf of uh, decisions that were made that I think all of us can say were just nonsense would be, uh, would be a, a mild term for it, but an accurate term. And um, we need to pray for, uh, we need to pray that God would, would restore, but, but that he would forgive. And um, I, I do believe that uh, in the midst of this, as I was praying this week, I could gain a, a very strong sense of uh, insight in the Word concerning passages that, for me, I had memorized about the, about the end times. Passages for me that I'd memorized over the years. Uh, passages that I had heard taught about over and over again and preached on and many different theories over and over again over the years that we've heard from people who teach about the end time that then had to be revised and modified. And I, every, time I, every time I think of that, I remember what um, Bishop Bill Hammond said one time when he was preaching about the, the silence in heaven for 30 minutes that's listed in the, in, the, uh, in the book of Revelation. He said, you know what that's for? He said, that's for all the prophetic teachers to update their charts. And, you know, that's, that's, I laugh about that, but it really is true. Um, but what God's been inspiring my heart to do uh, is to find functional responsibilities that the saints have and that intercessors have in the midst of these many eschatological passages. And in fact, I, I'm pretty sure that on the Saturday of the seminar that morning, we're going to be sharing about the saints' role in the end time. And I hope to have the, the various assignments and the various responsibilities that are given to intercessors and saints and lay them out in a, in a flow pattern and, and in a functionality pattern. And what we as saints need to do is to be faithful to, to keep doing all those things. Uh, you know, I shared one of them on this past Wednesday night about the withholding and the letteth. Uh, and, and what Jesus was saying in, in Matthew 24, that long passage about the times of the end. And it's invigorating to see the things in those passages that we may not have focused on that are responsibilities of the saints and how powerfully our role is, our responsibility before God is in doing those things in the flow point of what God is revealing. And um, we, I, I know this. I, I don't know how many times in the past few days, including twice this morning, early in the morning, I read through all of the eschatological passages. And, you know, a lot of them I can see, okay, this is going to happen, and how is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Has this part happened already? And the more I look at it, the more I recognize, just like everything else in the, in, in the Word, we're not going to understand some of those prophecies 
until we're actually functioning with God in them. Just like every other thing he's taught us. How has God led us into the meat of the word? How has God done that? It's not him telling us ahead of time. Okay, this is what this is. This is what it means. When you you got to lay on your face when you do this. It was when God imparted to us, we said yes, we began doing that with him. He began letting us live the word, and then he said, this is what this means. To do and to teach, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so, if we will look at, in these end times, these scriptures and find saints' responsibilities, intercessors' responsibilities in them. Understand what those responsibilities mean in the immediate context that they're written. As we're faithful to do what we know to do, those, those key points, those are the key points. You know, as God looks at this, he doesn't care who the, the first dragon is, the first beast, the second beast, you know, the, 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 beach, the beast on the bench. You know, he, doesn't, he knows all that. But what he wants to know is, will you partner with him? Will you serve? That's the most important thing to God in all of this. It's all about what God has called you and I to be from the foundation of the world. And that partnership, that's what all the spiritual warfare is about. That's what Satan didn't like from the very beginning. And so if we will locate and appreciate and understand those responsibilities in the midst of these passages, then first of all, we're doing our part in this partnership. And as we do those, as it has been in every other thing that we've done, in the massive amount of insights God has given us from the Word, in the Word, the meat that God has given us, those things came from us being obedient and doing what we've known to do. And then God gives us the deeper revelation. And that's the way this is going to be. And um, so I'm really excited about it in certain ways because um, it's really where we are. And the very fact that the Lord is impressing me with this um, really... And not just me, and I got to just tell you something. We're going we're gonna to look at these two passages, Revelation 13.10 and 14.12, as a signature point of what our responsibilities are. Um, but I've heard so many teachings over the years. You know, I'm in my 60s now, and I've heard all kinds of teachings. And I've, I've studied under people at seminary who wrote, most of the uh, the books, I don't know now, but most of the, um, because I was in seminary, I don't know how many years ago, but at that time, they, they wrote the textbooks that talked about Daniel and Revelation, and I, I sat under those men, and boy, were they heavy. Um, I, I, I was under them, and they readily admitted, we're giving you what these scriptures mean in the scriptures, but how it's all going to play out, nobody knows. We don't know. And for them to make that statement, I thought, thank you, Lord. And so, honestly, I've, I've not really had that much of an interest to just delve into these. I know them, but everything changes. I mean, the things that everybody absolutely knew was supposed to happen in 1960. 
everything that was absolutely supposed to happen in 1988 after 40 years of Israel being established. Everything that everybody absolutely knew had to happen, and on and on it goes. And the one thing we can state is what we know to do, we need to do. And we are, as I look at these passages, what God has given us as meat, as saints, as intercessors to do is all through these passages. And so if we will just understand them and understand our immediate role within those passages and do them, then all the other things are just going to unfold. They're, they're gonna, we're going to walk with God through them. But these mysteries that are listed there, and they are called mysteries, they're called mysteries for a reason. Did you ever, did you ever start reading a, a mystery book? Maybe you had to read it in college or something, and somebody comes up and says, Oh, I read that book. Did you get to the part of this? And you say, Don't tell me I haven't read that yet. Have you ever had that happen? I, I have. Or, or you may be watching a film and somebody comes, Oh, yeah, I remember this. This is what this. Be quiet. I don't want to hear it. Because the mystery is a is a pathway. And so many times we look at these passages that are very easily, very, very clearly called mysteries, and we want somebody to tell us how it's all going to play out. And there are people who, believe you me, as the old preacher said, they will let you know what they think it's going to absolutely have to be. But a mystery is a mystery. We are praying mysteries which the Bible says when we speak in an unknown tongue, we speak mysteries to our Father, these mysterions, this, and God guards over them very intimately, very carefully. And so this is a walk. It's a progress process. We need to know these scriptures, but to me, God is just highlighting the operative things that he's painstakingly and carefully as the teacher of all teachers led us through over the years. And I look at him and I say, Father, I'm so thankful that in this passage, we as saints have a, a little bit broader of an understanding of what this concept is through the word. Thank you for letting us walk with you in this and for you showing us in the scripture what this really means. And, and on and on it went and it dawned on me that God, in all of these years of training us in line upon line, meet here. Here's some more meat. Here, here, you spend this time calling upon me. You fast. You pray. Here's a, here's a revelation. That all of those things have been useful and beneficial and essential then, but they've been preparing us for the days we're in. So we need to do that. And I believe, as Monica mentioned, that there are people that, as this world is being shaken and shaken again, and things are happening that, you know, people depended on this government or depended on these politicians, and then they just whoosh, pull it away, and you think, what do we do now? I mean, we've seen that, haven't we, in our country. This pandemic should have taught us a few things about how we need to stand before the Lord and not rely on Big Brother or everybody else to, to, uh, to bail us out. And as we've walked in that pathway, hopefully it's been honing our dependence and our, our confidence that God is our only rock. 
and our partnership with him is the only thing that we can really rely on. And, and so there are people around the world that I believe are being shaken right now. Denominations have been being shaken. People that, you know, I believe that there are scores of people in a number of denominations that are, that are going to be, uh, that recognize that what God means to them is not being reflected in, in a group that they used to adhere to. I, I was reading this morning, believe it or not. I, it's funny how the Spirit leads me, and, and I'm sure you, to, to specific things. I was reading in a Catholic journal this morning, and I found this article where a man was writing about how that the, uh, um, the new mass, did you know there was a new mass now? That's not a medical term. Uh, they're in a Catholic church. And, and he was saying how that as a Catholic, he felt that this was just something that the Pope had, had really led them astray in. And here's, here's what he said. I just want to read this. It's not very long, so just stick with me. Listen to what this man is saying. The prayers of the traditional Mass emphasize that the priest was representing the same sacrifice Christ made at Calvary, one that propitiated God's wrath at sin and reconciled humanity to God. The new Mass portrays itself as a narrative and an historical remembrance of the events recalled in Scripture, and the offering and sacrifice was not of Christ, but of the assembled people, as the most commonly used Eucharistic prayer in the New Mass says, from age to age you gather a people to yourself in order that from east to west a perfect offering may be made. The old ritual physicality aims, uh, physically aims us toward an altar and tabernacle, and that way it points us to the cross, to heaven, and to the ultimate horizons ahead of man's existence. By doing so, it shows that God graciously loves us and redeems us despite our sins. The new ritual, and this is key, this is the main bulk of what I wanted you to hear. The new ritual points us toward a bare table. It consistently posits the unity of humanity as the ultimate horizon of our existence. In the new mass, God owes man salvation because of the innate dignity of humanity. Where there was faith, there is now presumption. Where there was God's love, there is now mere affirmation, which is indistinguishable from indifference. It inspires weightless ditties like gather us in, let us sing about us. I believe the practice of the new mass forms people to a new faith. To become truly Christian, one must cease to be Christian at all. Where the new faith is practiced with a zealous spirit, as in Germany right now, bishops and priests want to confirm the religion's teachings to moral norms of the non-believing society around them. That's astounding. And if, if, if you don't recognize that that same type of feeling is being felt by many people who I believe genuinely have a desire to know and love God, but recognize that the places where they have invested themselves are not really moving in God at all, I believe that part of that hunger 
is going to swell the ranks of those that we're called to reach and we're called to, to, to share the word and to share the way with. So these two passages of Scripture, Revelation 13.10 and Revelation 14.12, really in, in really crucial places in the Revelation narrative speak about the saints. And they, it's just kind of almost like an insertion that John places there under the inspiration of the Scripture. And if we look at Revelation 13.10, we see here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And in 14.12, it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. That wonderful telling in those two verses, which basically says the same thing, tells us what we're supposed to be doing as saints and what we're supposed to be planting as saints around the world. So let's just talk about them. There's, these aren't very long verses. Let's just talk about a few signature words and what that means for us. Why is it called the patience of the saints? Why is it called the patience? We're not going to dwell on what saints are. We should know that. But what is patience? Patience in, in, the, uh, in the original is the wonderful word, hupomeno. And it, it doesn't really have, and, and I read this specific quote in two tremendous dictionaries of exegetical thought. It, this word does not have very much to do with waiting at all. It doesn't have much to do with waiting. We often think that patience is waiting. I mean, I can remember as school starting again, uh, remember in the old days, you used to have that clock in the classroom, and you'd get close, pretty close to when, uh, I, I don't know what you did, but I would watch that clock, especially in a class that I didn't really want to be in. And there were many of those. I thought, what am I ever going to do with this? And I'd watch that clock 10 minutes before the bell was going to ring. And then I would just wait patiently, quote unquote. And I wasn't going to do any work. I, my mind had already shut off. When I focused on that clock, uh, hopefully none of you, there's no clock in here now. So, uh, But, uh, you know, patience in this regard, in the original language, doesn't have anything to do with waiting. It really doesn't. It has to do with commitment. Hupo meno means to stay under the place of abiding. Meno is abiding in those wonderful passages in John about if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's meno. And we need to recognize that patience regards you staying faithful and committed in the place that God has called you to abide. That's what patience is. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what may be happening in the world, no matter what wind of doctrine may be blowing really strong or what your emotions may say or what fears may say, the patience of the saints is that I'm going to be a saint 
with what God has called me to be, where God has called me to be it, no matter what's going on. I'm going to abide there, and I'm going to stay firmly under that covering and under that planting and under that assignment. And we have been, um, we have been commissioned by God to do that. I remember, was it three years ago when the Spirit or it was about three years ago, the Spirit started to say, you know, you need to start focusing now on prayer groups and smaller groups of saints. And we even had a meeting where we had people who had smaller groups. And I, I felt the, the burden of that so very strongly, but yet there was never really a materialized, even though we have some of those groups that are faithfully praying around the world, and we're thankful for that. They do a wonderful thing in the Lord. I, I met with one, a, a, a wonderful church uh, that it is not massive. Of course, we aren't either in, in this particular house. But we saw God move in a magnificently powerful, miraculous way just with a handful of saints. But, you know, as much as I initially interpreted what that meant, I really can think that over the since that time, we've seen that happen in this church across the nation, where we said, you know, you need to establish in your apartment, in your house, where you live, a dwelling place of the Lord. And you were forced to do that in a number of ways. And it was a wonderful forcing. I mean, it, it welcomed the presence of God in glorious ways in your life. As you were before him, maybe there was restriction, maybe there was sequestering, maybe, well, however you want to call it. You know, big text said everybody needs to stay in the house. And yeah, maybe you can find a drive through church, they'll toss you a communion packet. Maybe, maybe, you, uh, maybe you first resisted that. But we've got to have the patience of the saints. And a lot of folks, boy, they, it was almost like when they were forced to acknowledge that individually, it almost was a deal breaker for them. It almost caused them to crack right down the middle because they, they were used to gathering together. They were used to having, you know, somebody else who was bolstering them up or activity did that. And the patience of the saints begins with you. Are you committed to that abiding place? Yes, of relationship. Yes, as an intercessor. And we'll talk more about that further in these brief verses. But, but more so, that place of abiding. Wherever God has planted you and asked you to do what you're supposed to do. That's patience. Patience is a virtue. All those verses about patience, you know, with patience, the patience of hope. I mean, all of those things speak about not just killing time or waiting how long, O oh Lord. I'm committed here. That's what God believes with patience. I am committed and I'm staying under no matter what's going on. If it was easy to stay under, then when, what's the benefit of patience? You know? I don't have to commit myself to stay at a place that I'm just absolutely thrilled and delighted with every second as it passes by. I mean, when you're standing in the gap and the enemy's trying to break through, or where the you're standing in the gap and the enemy's trying to pluck you out of there, or you're standing in the gap and you want to run away with everything that's in you, that's when patience comes in. 
And both of these scriptures in the context of what's being said in chapter 13 and chapter 14 really has a, I think, and it's not said anywhere else, but I think these are epics of time. I'm not, I shouldn't go there, but I think these are progressions of time and one, one sets the stage in the world for then what's coming next. And God kind of bookends them and says, you as saints, you got to be committed more than anybody. You, you got to be committed more than anybody. And, and that, that burden of standing in that gap and doing functionally what God has asked you to do is essential. And that is the patience of the saints. But it, he doesn't stop there. He really gives two other things that we have to do while we are standing in that gap. And what are those? Well, it has to do with keeping the commandments of God and the faith of the saints. Also, most importantly, the faith of Jesus. What is keeping the commandments? Well, keep is our old friend, Terio. And you know what? That's location. Terio is location. Territory, terrain, that's location. You keep the commandments. You, in that place where you're called to stand, you function in those commandments right there. And that's important. We're seeing those things established throughout the world. And in those terios, we have to provide the commandments. Now, we're not commanding anybody. We're not telling anybody to do anything. We're listing out what the entole, entello of, of Jesus is and what God is revealing. How does he reveal it? Through commune with him, through interpretation of what he's saying, for, through prophetic instruction. But it's all based and grounded in his word, the meat of the word. And those are the commandments that we must welcome in the terio. We've got we to gotta function in the Word. We've got to be rooted and grounded in the Word. We've got to stand and do what God said, and we've got to know what God says. Do you recognize how the enemy has come against the Word over the past number of years? He's always hated the Word. He's tried to twist the Word. He uses it deceptively, for, hopefully for his advantage. But he's tried to discredit the word over and over again. And we must hold on to the word. We must grow in the word. We must be washed by the word. We must have our meat through the word. We must have our word, his word hid in our heart that we don't miss the mark of God. And, and what then God says about his word and what he reveals is in intercession alongside his word and prophetically what God is stating those things must not only be cherished and learned and applied, but they have to be planted in the terio. That's what it means to keep his commandments. I think that's glorious. And do you realize that for this house and for the houses of saints, that is our assignment while there is yet day. The night is coming when no one can work. 
We are charged, you, you realize this, I know, to go to the ends of the earth and to establish terio points for the saints to function in God's commandments, in the patient place that God has planted them, to commune with them. You realize that, don't you? There are people that are hungry right now. You know, I remember at the beginning of this year, God was saying very clearly, and I said it many times from this, from this pulpit, you need to start grouping together pods of the essential teachings of the saints, and you need to get them honed, and you need to get them ready so that you can insert them into these places so that people who are coming alongside can quickly grasp it and apply it. And then he gave us this wonderful new equipment for the purpose of being able to help to facilitate that. And sometime soon, travel is going to be uh, opened up again. And we're going, well, I can say we, I can say me and you, we're going to be traveling a lot because we've got to work for the night is coming. And we see how fragile our transportation systems have been. We see we must work and get it into the hands of these thousands upon thousands of people around the world who need to know how to embrace the command of the Lord in their terio and stay under with Him that place of abiding. This is our job right now, to do it here, but to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of this good news, has got to be preached to the ends of the earth, and then shall the end come. That is a signature clue for us. And we're, we're laboring toward that. Now, what is the gospel of the kingdom? We've talked about this many, many years ago. There's a difference between soteria, as Mark referenced this morning, and the basileia of the kingdom. There's a difference between those two things. If the Lord had wanted to, he could have said, this gospel of salvation shall be preached. But no, he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. Yes, people will become born again. We want that. But we have a job apostolically to reach into so many, not just the, the church that we know, but so many other pockets of believers who were parts of other movements who have a sincere hunger to know God. And we should say, this is that which is spoken. You need to take a stand right here in Brazil, right here in Lithuania, right here in Slovenia, right here across the world as God opens the doors. And this is what you must do. And you must, you must get busy with it. You've got to commit to it because at a moment's notice, things could change. And then you're going to be standing wonderfully before the Lord. That is our mission. It's a strange mission, isn't it? But it is really populating key points around the world as God opens the doors for us to go and to agree with saints who are called to be saints and to show them what it means to abide in God, and to show them the deep things of His Word that identifies what their mission is, and to, and, and to ask them through the power of the cross to stand there in their terio.
And then it's going to be up to them. It's kind of like what Lincoln said in one of his famous uh, brief speeches. One time he was uh, dedicating a, a new facility, and he was, he was supposed to make a speech when the flag was raised, and he took his notes from under his, his hat. I've been threatening the twins that I'm going to start wearing a hat like Abraham Lincoln, which delights them to no end. See, there they go. But he takes it out, and he said, my job is to see that this flag is raised. It is your job to keep it up. And our job is to show them the banner that is over them and what their responsibilities are scripturally from the Lord. It's their job in their nations to stand. And so the commandments, to keep the commandments, is a terio function. It, that's the word. But then it says this beautiful thing. The faith of the saints, the faith of Jesus. We know what that means. What is faith? Faith is communing with God at his right hand and hearing what he says and doing what he says. That's why Jesus is established in authority at that right hand. And that's that's how we are partnering with him, that king of saints who is with us. So, yes, we, we firmly commit ourselves to the place of abiding. And we commit there. To, we make an altar to God there. Yes, we learn his word and we apply his word and we grow in his word. But those commandments we assert through the power of the cross and the directive of the Spirit in our terio. But none of that is going to matter if we are not populated at the right hand of the throne. Which is why these two scriptures speak of the faith of Jesus and the faith of the saints, and really they should be one in the same. Do you understand that? Because if we're at the right hand of the Father and Jesus is seated there and he died and rose again to make a way for us to be there, and if we're partnering with him as joint heirs, then we better be Christ-like. Our faith indicates that place of intercession that was prophetically released here this morning, that place of waiting before God and meeting Him there and going forth directionally under His orders, hearing, feeling His burden, and then gleaning what steps of faith need to be taken. This identifies what the saints are. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, the faith of the saints. That's who you are. That's who we all are. And um, that's what we are to be discipling around the world. Now, there are other missions that people have, other churches have. We bless them. We bless them. But I, I, while I bless them, my responsibility is to do what God has called me to do. You know, famous words of Jesus to Peter. Well, hey, what are you going to do with that guy over there that you love? What is that to thee? You do what you're supposed to do. You do what I've given you to do. 
And who can fault the role of Peter and John the Beloved? I mean, they both had massive place in the disciples' core. But they had very different responsibilities, just the same as the Apostle Paul had a different responsibility. But yet, each vital to the Lord. So I bless what everybody else is doing, but I'm going to have to give an account, as you are, for what God has called us to be. And it's no small thing. Listen. See, only God could take this seed of faith, this remnant, and say, through this seed, I'm going to reach the nations of the world. I'm going to plant similar seeds all over the world. Only God could do that. Did you recognize you're sitting in the midst of a miracle right now? Do you realize that? Do you realize how many thousands of people consider themselves saints due to the grace of God but the seed that he planted here. Do you realize that? That's not wishful thinking. That's just the box score. That's the facts. And it's only going to exponentially grow because God is reaching out that parable of the, of the, of the fields that Les was referencing. You know, at 3 and at 6 and at 9 and 11, they go out to find those standing idle. Where? In their histeme. What we've known in the past has been great, but God has brought us to this point to do something beyond. That's our job. And what is our job? Well, we're going where God opens the door. We're reaching out weekly to where God opens the door. And we're sowing the faith of Jesus and the commandments of God in their terio to a people that are abiding where God has planted them in the world, throughout the world. You know, tomorrow, I have the privilege of speaking. This is just one day, and this is going to be a light day concerning what's coming. Tomorrow morning, I get to speak to the people in Western Europe. And then... I get to speak to the church in Sao Paulo, and then I get to do a three to five minute exhortation teaching to over a hundred pastors in Brazil. And every, every Monday, and that, like I said, is a light day. That's a privilege. And we're grateful for that. But you know what I'm teaching them? These pastors, I'm week by week teaching them a different foundational pillar of praying in the Spirit before God. One by one by one, and asking them to not only do it for themselves, but to teach their churches. Do you know how many people are in a hundred churches in Brazil? That's one moment that, and it's not about me. Look, they didn't say, oh, we got to get that guy to come. It's your calling. It's my calling. It's what God has allowed us to forge here and in the other churches of the saints. I'm just, now, those of you watching in the Saints Network, you have to realize that I'm speaking to this congregation, but I'm also speaking to you. You have a similar calling, and God is using you as well in mighty ways. But this is our moment. And, and the door is going to open, and we're preparing now. We're preparing now. I mean, there were several times the past couple of days where I've been praying about 
these passages. And, and suddenly I gain a burst of insight as to what that one of the particular uh, assignments and references mean for the surrounding scriptures. And I would always feel a sense of excitement and a sense of understanding of how important that role is. And then the Holy Spirit would lift. And, and I would think, well, I'm grateful. I know this. It's, it's, it's our identity. It's our function. But the Holy Spirit lifted before he, uh, he said, okay, this is what this means in the world. Let me, let me tell you who has 666 on their head. Let me tell you what. He didn't say that. And there's a reason for that. Because it's about us doing and obeying and praying which is the heart of everything. So I believe prophetically God has already launched, and you agreed, to welcome a, um, a fresh quickening of the burden of the Lord within you for what is coming now. Why is that stirring here in the place of productivity, in the place of truth? It's because God is birthing something new for this moment, for this time frame. I mean, I... I there have been times in the past week that I've, I have just been miserable in my core here. Just miserable. And, and I was concerned about it for a couple days. And I, you know, I immediately went to fasting and I said, okay, Lord, that's great. <laughs> I'm always happy to fast because I know what you do through it. It's a wonderful thing for you to fix me and to correct me so I can serve you more. But then it just dawned on me. The very things that John spoke about with the, with the scroll and the understanding of our directives makes your belly bitter before you speak to kings and to the nations. That's what the scripture says. And we've taught on that before many times. So I guess the Lord has said prophetically and apostolically today and in many other ways that we need to recognize what we're really called to do and to be. And we need to recognize what a unique thing it is that God has sown this into each of you, me included, and those of you watching. We need to be praying as gatekeepers for the doors that God wants opened around the world and how to advise others in that gatekeeping uh, commission and, and how to welcome the flow of what God has sown into their various points of terio. Because we need that too. That's another facet of what we're going to be sharing at the seminar. We've talked about some of it already in the, in the past weeks. But for today, as you see things going on around you and you see the debacle that's going on in Afghanistan, you see things here in our nation I'm just very grateful. I, I, I can't go there. I've, I've got a lot of political jokes I could tell. I'm not going to go there. Um, but, you know, we need to be very grateful to the Lord. We see China rattling their sword and making uh, aspirations known to, to absorb Taiwan. And we see lots of other things going on. We cannot allow ourselves to become overheated when we see those things as Americans or as citizens of France or wherever you may be watching, we can be troubled by them, which would be troubling to anybody with common sense. But 
we need to be invested in what our role is before the throne as saints. And we need to keep praying, Lord, okay, help us to prepare. Help us to be ready. Show us how to be ready. And tangibly, what we can put into people's hands. And um, how can we best facilitate and reach out to them throughout the week over the Internet before the Internet is shut down, <laughs> before travel is shut down again, before darkness comes, which you prophesied. Help us to work for the night is coming to sow the patience of the saints, the keeping of his commandments, and the faith of Jesus. That's essential. That's no small thing. And I'm grateful for it, and I'm grateful to be sharing this with our wonderful Saints Network family around the world. We're so grateful for you. And we ask that God would, would, would strengthen you and touch you and establish you and open the doors uh, that, 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 that he, is, uh, he has ordained to open for the days to come. So, Father, thank you so much for your kindness. Uh, we, we sincerely yield ourselves to you to be taught by your Spirit. We ask you, Father, that you would continue to guide us. Don't let us miss anything that your Spirit is saying. Let us not come behind in any point of grace let us be those servants that are pleasing in your sight. And let us have direction from your spirit as to what to do, exactly what to do and how to do it with the things you show us in the word. Help us, Father. Where is your children? Where is your sons? And we submit ourselves under your tutelage. Help us, Father, to serve you in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. And we thank you for this. And I speak blessing over those who have stood and asked for uh, a, a, a mighty touch from you in, in uh, going forward in new ways of intercession. Let us all manifest that this week. And let us be sensitive to the assignments that you're going to be giving leading up to our seminar as intercessors. Oh, there's so many good things, Father. We love you. I say one more thing. We're so grateful to you for the testimonies that we heard today. And I ask you, Father, that you would release the efficacy of your spirit to every person in this place. Pour out your blessing upon them. The things they need, supply them, press down, shaken together, and running over. But, Father, the most important blessing we have is to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Let us do that, and let us be that. And we thank you for it, Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, oh, I was going to say these three things. I didn't, didn't see them. The message is over. But just study about the promises for the overcomer in Revelation. You know, here, here we're told to... to um, uh, if to keep the commands of God, and there's another passage that says that if we do that, Revelation 12, 17, that 
if we if we we overcome when we do this and the overcomer has the authority of the tree of life the overcomer can eat of its fruit and the overcomer can regularly enter into the city of heaven of god and so there are benefits to keeping the commandments of god but to me the commandments of god are the blessing in itself but there's an overcoming that the scripture specifically says is for those who do that and uh, I want to have the authority of the tree of life whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. I want to be able to eat the fruits of that tree, and I want to be able to regularly enter into the city of God. And um, so study about that. Thus endeth the sermon. <laughs> thanks, everybody. God bless all of you. Thank you for tuning in, and thanks for being here. You what? I don't know. Are we still live?